Come on. Hello, dear listener. Before we get into today's show, quick ask. If you find value in today's show or you've gotten value out of a previous show, please leave us a quick five-star review. Be super grateful. Thanks a lot. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome today's guest, strong and powerful David Morgan. David, are you ready to do this? I'm ready. Let's go. Let's let's do this. David is a recognized precious metals analyst. He is a wealth building and preservation expert. He is an author, a speaker, and a podcast host. I'm excited to have you on. David, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Wow. Okay. Well, personal <laughs> life. I'm. Uh, I guess I'm an old man now. I've gone beyond sixty years of age. Uh, I still stay pretty fit. I think health is very important. I don't have a lot of hobbies. One is uh, feeding my brain. I'm a lifelong learner. I think that's really a key to being happy in life. Also watch uh, documentaries. I do kayak. I used to do uh, triathlons at the Olympic level, so I wasn't an Ironman, so don't get all excited, folks. <laughs> um, let's see what else. Reading uh, movies. Uh, and I'd say that's Probably. I used to be a big scuba diver. I used to, I sailed as a um, crew member on a, on the circuit for one year, did the Ensenada race and all that. So, I mean, I've done a lot of things in my life. But right now, at my age, it's like walking the dog and kayaking and, uh, you know, kind of a mellow thing. I still work out. So there's that about me. What else? What got me here was basically finding out how the monetary and the banking system worked at a very early age. And I've really felt it's my calling, my duty to pursue that uh, career path. So I've made it my, you know, my destiny, so to speak. So I think that's enough. I, you know, it's my favorite subject. We could make the whole show about me. So let's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that very much. So we're having this conversation on November the 9th. And we got a lot going on, David. I'm just, uh, you know, what's, what, what's really top of mind for you right now? Well, the volatility in all the markets. I mean, mm. I just put out, I do a weekly podcast, you know, one man, one microphone, and I interview others, and you kind of know my my website. But I just posted, I think on Friday when I did the recording, I think gold had gone to the highest level, been in six or seven weeks. And then today, gold gets clobbered, silver gets clobbered, stock market new high, and all this is on the back of... Uh, Pfizer saying they have, you know, a drug for the coronavirus. And, you know, I'm not for or against any of this stuff. I'm just saying, the you know, questions volatility. And so the metals are very reactive as the markets themselves. But since the metals are such a small market, especially silver, they tend to, I will quote, unquote, overreact. So uh, a lot of people that subscribed to my service were, you know, thinking that perhaps they missed the boat, the stocks, the, the resource stocks were surging here like a day uh last friday last thursday and all of a sudden you know they're worried that things are going up and i have to take a more of a long-term approach not that they don't but you know reading the tea leaves in the market is extremely difficult but i have certain parameters that i've learned over the years of not getting too excited on the ups or the downs kind of keeping a steady hand on the rudder so to speak so 
I do expect more of the same, George. I expect increased volatility over the next few years, both to the up and down for all markets. So I think if you're not prepared for what the markets did today, it's a warm-up for what we're going to see in the future. Why do you think that? Because markets move on 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 uncertainty or uncertainty. In other words, you know, if you're a long-term bond investor and you're guaranteed you're going to get such and such an interest rate and that that money is going to be the same value 30 years from now, I mean, that's about as, as a sure thing as you can get. But in today's world, you might get the guaranteed interest and you're guaranteed to get your principal back, but you have no idea what the value of that money is going to be worth in 30 years. You got a pretty good idea based on the track record over the last 100 plus years of the Federal Reserve's monetary system that, you know, that 100 cents is now worth about two and a half cents. And that's on their own uh, website. That's what they estimated at. Could be lower, could be higher. It's really lower, but I won't go into that. So there's more of a skittish speculative feel to the, all the markets because if you can't get a yield that's worth anything, then you've got to go to the next level and that's the equity market. Well, the equities are built usually on what the earnings are, but there's so much now with this momentum investing and story stocks and you know all these financial channels that get these gurus out there that tell you this, that, and the other thing about a certain company and where it's going to go, where it's going to be, why it's going to get there. So there's a much more speculative feel to the equity markets, which have inherently more volatility than, let's say, the debt markets do. So then that spills over into um, going from like stable stocks, like what the Dow 30 would be, or even the S&P 500, into the more speculative sector, which is the NASDAQ stocks. And that's why when we saw in 2000 with the tech wreck, you know, anybody that had a dot-com on their name was able to go public and make a fortune momentarily and of course then the market kind of wised up and came to its senses and those things just went to basically zero in a lot of cases so it's volatility uncertainty the idea that i've got to make up for lost time the idea that inflation really is here i don't care what the government statistics show me it's not two percent in my life food's gone up you know beef's up you know 15 percent over the last two months so all these things factor in. I mean, I could go on and on, George, but I think I've paid a pretty good broad brush stroke of what's going on in the mindset of most of the investors. And then, of course, you get the top tier of the money managers, wealth managers, sovereign wealth funds, and they all know the same scenario I just painted. So they're looking for yield as well or for capital gains. And so you're just getting all of this. And the, the tip of the iceberg really is this high-frequency trading. I mean, to think that these computers get moved closer to where the actual trade takes place so that you can get 0. 0.00001 second faster right. than the other one so that they can shave off 0. 0.00001 cent per trade is kind of the, you know, it's the canary in the coal mine saying, look, look at where we, what we have become, where we're going. I mean, the Dow 30 used to represent the industrial strength of the United States and the transportations verified that index. Uh, you had the industrials, <clears throat> utilities, and the transportations, and these things actually represented kind of the health of the economy. That left us a long time ago. I'm not saying in certain instances they don't give some feel for where the economy is, but generally speaking, there's very little correlation between the physical economy, how good it's doing, and the stock market indexes. Yeah, yeah, I think that, that any regular person certainly 
feels that way, and they look at the stock market going bananas one way or another. They just kind of shrug their shoulders and say, "Okay, very, very well. I have no idea what's going on." So, what, what, what is the way forward, if there is a way forward, David? Well, I think the way forward is a clear definition of what the problem is, and then, of course, once you state the problem clearly and succinctly, where almost everybody understands it, then you can propose a solution or solutions. But that's not going to happen. I mean, the, <laughs> I mean, it won't. The political class isn't going to get up there and say, hey, we screwed everybody through an insidious thing called inflation. And every dollar that you took home every day of your life working for 40 years and now you're planning to retire has now become is becoming more and more insolvent all the time because watering the milk never works. Every every dollar that you earn when you were 40 years younger is now worth you know, one twelfth of what it was when you earned it. So, you know, this, but no one's going to stand up and say that. No one. I mean, maybe privately and maybe, you know, in closed rooms and investment conferences and this and that, but you're not going to get the political class to stand up. I mean, they'll give hints, let's say, like, you know, Janet Yellen this or, you know, Ben Bernanke that or, you know, Powell said this and not and not, but no one really succinctly, directly says in three sentences that we've inflated our brains out and the money system's going to fail and we're not sure what to do about it. That's the truth, but no one's going to stand up and say it. It'll scare everybody, but really that shock might be what's necessary because most people that have money at risk understand it, at least at some level. And this is the problem. There, there isn't any real leadership in my view, and I don't want to get political here if we can help it, but sure. the markets are, are kind of a leader. They're showing you, again, coming back to the volatility statement I made earlier, the market's saying, we don't know, we're, we're – we're in a frenzy. We don't know what to do. Up, down, round, risk on, risk off, all this stuff. Everyone has to make an excuse for why the markets move up or down. But the real truth of the matter is the markets really don't know what to do. Generally speaking, it's better to have a position in the company that does something than to have a piece of paper that you know is going nowhere. Eventually, I should say eventually, it's pretty much at the end of the, of the game right now. Okay. All right. So... So we're not actually able to have an honest conversation about what the problems are, uh, and therefore we're not really going to be able to propose solutions to that. What is what does George do? What does Steve, who's listening, do? Just regular people. Yeah, and I don't think I misstated it. I don't want to over or understate. I mean, the proposals being floated out there with the World Economic Forum. I mean, basically what they're saying is, and reading between the lines, it's a time to build a better, you know, a better world now and. The idea is the banking system hardly ever loses. So even though they've corrupted the monetary system, and they know it, but they will not take responsibility for it, they're going to move or trying to move everything into a cashless digital society. So everything will be based on the digits that you have in a bank account. And China's already done this. I mean, out of the $1.4 billion, 400 million, which is about 80 million more than the entire population of the United States, don't use cash at all. They use everything off of their phone. Every transaction, even in like a farmer's market or a flea market or house to house or whatever, where we would normally use cash, they use their phones. So this is the direction I think that everyone is going to be shoved or pushed or nudged. And this is gonna take place really fairly rapidly. So the idea is that, well, this system failed. They're not going to take responsibility again. I want to emphasize that. But we've got a better idea. It's going to be more fair. It's going to be more objective where there's not going to be any this, that, or the other thing. Everything that you do is tabulated, and it's going to be 
itemize and everything else. So eventually it'll get more like China with the social credit system where, as an example, I'm not saying this is exact. I want people to think. But, you know, there was a thing on the Internet years ago that so-and-so calls up for a pizza says, well, you can't have a pizza because you're overweight, you know, yeah. and you're, uh, you know, I guess like that. I mean, this is maybe a corny example, but that's the direction clearly that the banking establishment wants to take us. Not that you can't get a pizza, but that they have control over your financial situation. And in some cases in China, it's a fact, depending on your social credit, not your wealth. You can get a five star hotel or you cannot. You can travel or you cannot. You can rent a car or you cannot. And this isn't based on what your amount of quote unquote money that you have or currency that you have. It's a function of how much you adhere to the politically correct status of the state under which control you are, you know, born into, I would say. All right. So that's a, a pretty crappy dystopian future, David. I don't know that I I don't know that, that makes me very happy, but <laughs> so 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 what do I do though? Are there different options or do I just do I just get the chip implanted and hope that uh, I stay in shape so I can still eat pizza? Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. And thanks for taking that, you know, that slant on it. Because, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm painting that picture and I, I believe I'm accurate. I've been pretty good so far and I've been doing this for 40 years. No, the future's not in stone. And we do have ways out. So, first of all, I think where the environment is right now is to focus investing wise on needs not wants so that means what are what are needs needs are your hard commodities no i know it's hard to buy a commodity as an equity investor that's why etfs were invented so you can find an etf for almost anything now you know the softs in the commodities markets or the agriculturals or whatever i absolutely recommend nobody plays the futures market it's for pros only but things that you need I think, our, you know, food's going to be a big one. So if you can hedge your food bill, I think that's a good one. Energy is always important. And this is the one that's the toughest to do because it's a it's a slam dunk. You want to be in energy. It's just which one. And we don't know, or I don't know anyway, how this change is going to take place between an oil-based economy and whatever the next is. I'm an engineer by background. I have an aeronautical engineering degree before I went to business school and got an MS. But I know enough to know that under the current technology that we don't have enough wind and solar to have the energy flux density, which is a very fancy way of saying enough energy per person to live the lifestyle that we currently have on the planet. Right. So that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And one of the biggest mistakes made by one of my mentors was not seeing a technological change that changed the mining industry significantly. So I'm very cognizant that there could be something out there. I just don't know what it is or see it yet. But there will be a shift toward cleaner energy. And and, and there's a sure thing, more or less. It's just which one. I mean, it's like when the automobile was invented, you know, what uh, – which auto manufacturer did you, you know, buy an equity position in? What stock did you buy? I mean, if you bought Tucker, <laughs> Studebaker, uh, you know. Right. So it's one of those type of things. So back to you. I'm sure you got some great questions. But let me just reemphasize the futures and said, 
we can make a change. I mean, I'm a big idealist. I mean, Gandhi got rid of basically the British Empire interfering with that whole nation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one person can make a difference, never think you can't. And there's nothing, again, this is a quote, more powerful than an idea whose time has come. And the idea is like, you banking elite have ruled us under a system that you controlled for too long. We don't want your control anymore. And you see it already, and I think, George, this is good because my brain just kicked in a little higher gear, and I have a pretty high-speed brain, <laughs> that we have this crypto thing. Now, we could dive into that, and we don't have enough time, but this is clearly a, a substitution for the current system. And so there's a lot of ideas floating around some really brilliant people on how to produce a competing currency or a competing platform to settle transactions. So this is uh, kind of lifting up the, the veil, so to speak, and taking a look and saying, you know what, it doesn't have to be this way. Maybe we could create our own way of um, you know, making transactions, having settlement and that type of thing. So there's a, it's, an op it's not uh, clear cut yet how it's going to go, that's for sure. Yeah, well, amen to that. What about gold? Is that how, do, how, well, gold how, how right does gold right now? I mean, people that have listened to most of my stuff, you know, know this. People that only listen to me occasionally probably aren't going to like what I'm going to say. But gold has been proven for five thousand, maybe six thousand years to be a, a wealth preserver. You're really not going to get rich uh, owning gold, but in times of monetary distress, it's probably going to save you. And really bad situations politically it can get you out of the country by you know the old joke but it's true paying off the border guards so gold is important in at certain times in history this is one of those times but as far as gold being like a great investment it's really not i mean it's a static investment it's a way to preserve capital but not in a capitalistic system or a true free market where you are able to take an idea and employ capital, which is really a idea, sometimes uh, machines, sometimes not, but an idea uh, with labor and produce something that the market wants and benefits everybody. And it's that paradox that, you know, George could come up with an app that helps everybody grow vegetables better. I don't know, I'm just making this up. Sure. But you prosper because you only charge two ninety nine a year for that app, but so does everybody that buys it from you. And you become a multimillionaire and everybody else gets better vegetables. I mean, that's the idea. That's a paradox that you can be self-serving and at the same time serving others. And it's only when you are truly serving others that the market says, yeah, George, you're right. And we love you. And they pay you for it. Mm -hmm. But those are, again, idealistic type of things. Not that there aren't some really smart people do some really incredible things right now. I know what I read Investors Business Daily and you see some of this stuff that people have come up with. That's like, oh, man, it gives you faith mm -hmm. that the future can be less dystopian than I outlined, but you gotta remember who controls the whole thing and the monetary system at present does. But as I said, again, there is an offshoot of that saying, oh, maybe we don't want your money, maybe ours will work better. So there's gonna be a lot around this, you know, the next few years, especially for people your age and younger. I've got two millennial daughters, 27 and 25, and of course they've heard this from the time they were kids. <laughs> so they're pretty aware that uh, it's not in stone, uh, but it's not going to be a, a spectator sport. It isn't a dress rehearsal. If you really believe what I believe, not necessarily, you know, dot for dot, but the general idea that the future that looks like we're going to go into isn't what you want, then you better be willing to stand up for what you do want. Love it. Well, David, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Well, difference-making tip is that people love cheap stocks. 
and expensive stocks are expensive for a reason. In other words, you know, buying the best automobile costs more than the cheapest automobile. So cheap stocks is something that a lot of beginner investors, even intermediate investors, even some seasoned investors buy into the idea that I'm getting a lot of stock for my money. Don't do that. In most cases, it's not worth it. The best thing is pay up, buy the best of the best. If you're buying a beverage company, buy the best beverage company. You're going to buy an auto manufacturer, buy the best auto manufacturer. You're going to buy an industrial company, buy the best one. Buy the best. And yeah, they might even be marked up, but usually the ones that are the best are the ones worth buying. That's my tip for the day. Well, that is great stuff. That definitely gets Come on. Come on. David, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? TheMorganReport.com. I have a free newsletter and a paid service. Just go to TheMorganReport.com. Give me a first name and a valid email. We'll double check it for a double opt-in, and you'll get my weekly podcast interviews I do like this. Some discounts on stuff occasionally here and there, and some of the articles I write. And a lot of, you know, most people are pretty happy with just the free newsletter. And those that are more serious about the resource sector, which is my specialty, um, could consider a subscription. Love it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show David your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to themorganreport.com and get signed up for the for the newsletter, check out the podcast, and start to take an active role in 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 your future. Thank you again, David. George, thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Spending too much time on social. Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right.